Welcome to the Big Fly Pod. Swung on a joke into right field. There it goes. See ya. First to the year. Oh. He tries one. Deep left field. That goes up to Back near the wall. It's out of here. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to episode 49 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-hosts Vinny D'Amato and T. Lou. We are excited because we got our first intro video slash song. We hope you enjoy it. We truly are excited about what that looks like for the future, maybe even some changes for the future. But for now, I feel good about it, Vinny. I know that you put a lot of work into that, and I appreciate you doing that uh, because that is going to be uh, an amazing addition to the show. You've been an amazing addition to the show, but I think we should check in with you. How are you? I mean, I got chills. Um, you know that uh, some of those home runs, the last one especially, if if you know the people don't know that home run, that last home run that's on the audio is the one and only Bartolo Colon. And if that's not one of your favorite moments in baseball history, I don't know what is because that's top five for me easy. I mean, just I I love it. So I'm excited. I'm ready to get into some of the hot stove stuff. I know it's been, you know, not what we've been excited for. We've really wanted to see some fireworks and we got a few here and there, but um excited to talk about what we have and and talk about the Angels a little bit. Absolutely. And Vinny mentioned it there uh uh, right there at the beginning of the show where we're going to be talking about the winter meetings, literally kind of doing a little bit of a review uh, as to what our thoughts are and how it went. And then also to going over the, the hot stove. And while people haven't seen the big names come off the list on the free agency out of the free agency bucket, we saw a deal that we'll talk about here in a little bit that is not finalized, but likely to be finalized here in the coming hours. Um, and then finally, we're going to go over, uh, continue on with our outlook series for each team. We're going to be going over the LA angels and how they're going to look there in 2024. Vinny, let's start with the winter meetings, man. I mean, this has been not what everybody expected, right? Everybody, you know, this is something that was extremely hyped up. Everyone thought that these guys were going to be coming off the board, like Otani and Yamamoto and some of these names. And then when that happened, the floodgates were to open with a bunch of the other names coming off the list. It did not happen, but wow, was there a lot of drama? I mean, if, if you went on Twitter, it was like a high school dating series going on with the way that reporters getting into it with GMs, coaches spilling the beans on talking to players when they shouldn't have. What were your thoughts on just how everything was handled from that standpoint? Like I, I paused there for a sec because I'm like, I really don't know how to describe what has gone on. It's been uh, probably one of the most bizarre winter meetings that we've had in, in recent years. You know, I remember on uh, Sunday when we recorded, you were mentioning some of the big deals that had went down over the previous winter meetings and it doesn't feel like there's that you know the big one that we all kind of are thinking of or, or are hoping for because you know and you and I talked about it right before the show 
it feels like there's so many dominoes that are just waiting to fall because of Shohei Otani not signing yet. And I, I don't know about you, but you know, working at a desk, I'm refreshing Twitter every chance that I can get. And every time I'm hoping just for something, just for a little bit. And I'm, I, I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nothing. And so as a baseball fan, I'm frustrated as a human. I, I understand some of the, complications that are going on you know i you know regardless of what madison bumgarner says which maybe you can talk about too i i kind of respect shohei's decision to try to keep things private but um you know i understand why you know maybe mad bum wouldn't like it so it's just it's been boring it's we've wanted more and we're still waiting on some we did get one kind of big news today although that's even not official yet so yeah it's just we want more, you know, we're, we're all excited for baseball. So. Yes. Yes. And you talked about it there. Uh, Dave Roberts going through all those quotes and all those things. It's, it's not really necessary because the premise of it is that Dave Roberts said that they met, met with Otani and they said, things went great. Okay. If the news comes out that Otani didn't care, of course, if, if teams mentioned, you know, that they met with them and, and it wasn't even brought up, right? This is just a normal, you know, series of events. But for the circumstances of the situation, obviously it's now confirmed that Otani does not want teams mentioning that they had met because then obviously Dodgers ownership came out and, and management and saying, we, you know, those comments were just made. We don't know what Dave's talking about. So, you know, you even see what the Cubs Council yeah. has has said that he has not met with them. Jed Hoyer, same thing. And you know, you saw Mad Bum today go off when speaking with Stephen A. Smith about the fact of why is this even? Why can't teams mention these things? Like, why does Otani have the ability to make these teams not say anything? Like, why why is that? You know, the situation. And I and I, I actually kind of took a step back and I said. That is actually a really interesting point. Like, why is it that he doesn't want teams to talk? And do you think, Vinny, that's totally financially related? No, I mean, think about, you know, the way I thought about it is I put myself in Shohei's shoes, right? Say that five times fast. Um, he is the most coveted free agent of all time. There's no question. And when making a decision this big, it, it's almost, it's, it's like the opposite of what we saw with LeBron James. If you think about that, right? Like the decision, right? Everybody needed to know where he was going to go. And so to me, it's, it's how he, not necessarily about the financial part of it. It's just how does he want public relations to go and how does he want to be maybe perceived or does he want the noise in the background? Because I imagine a lot of these players, you know, they have articles written about them or, you know, hey, this guy was in town and, you know, let's talk good or bad about him, blah, blah, blah. Like, he just wants to probably cancel as much noise as possible. And so that's the direction that I'm taking from it. And, you know, you maybe you say you agree with Mad Bum on that. I I actually think I agree with Shohei more. I, I, I don't blame him for wanting to keep it quiet. I think that's totally up to him. If he doesn't want teams to talk about it, that's his right. And if I'm a team and I want to talk about it, well, then. I'm going to talk about it and, you know, Shohei can decide not to come with us. But I think it just shows the type of free agent that he is that 
nobody wants to talk about it. And it's so hidden that, you know, teams are willing to respect his wishes a little bit. So I get it. I, I, I think it's smart of him. And, and, and I know you said that I agreed with what Bad Bum said. There is a slight agreeance there because it's like, hmm, like what, what is the true reason as to why this can't be discussed? Well, does, does he need but, a reason? That's a good point. Right? Like, but it is, I don't know. Does he? Maybe he does. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like though in the world of media, man, you know, like, so, so here I'm going to transition now into the yeah, Bob Nightingale yeah. stuff, right? Okay. Because so Bob Nightingale had a situation happen with Jed Hoyer, the GM of the Chicago Cubs, where Bob Nightingale tweeted a tweet earlier today saying Chicago Cubs outfielder Christopher Morrell's name has surfaced in talks with the Tampa Bay Rays about starter Tyler Glasnow because the Cubs have been a uh, have been in connection with a trade for Tyler Glasnow. Then as Jed Hoyer made his way to the podium to to speak to the media, I guess he had stern words with Bob Nightingale per Jesse Rogers and others. And then uh, Nightingale then tweeted, let me pull up that tweet here. Let's see. While the Cubs and Rays have engaged in trade talks for prize race starter Tyler Glasnow, the Cubs will not give up Christopher Morrell simply for a one-year rental. And so this whole thing of these media representatives, right? I look at it at, like, like you talked about, right? You look through the lens of Shohei. I look at it through the lens now of if I'm playing kind of like a devil's advocate type of yeah, please, yeah. format here is Bob Nightingale and these guys that, you know, they're sent there to basically create stories. That's their job, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the problem, though, with that is, is that that is why Bob Nightingale is not viewed as highly, if we're being honest, to guys like Heyman and mm -hmm. uh, Morosi and, you know, some of these other guys in Rosenthal, like some of these names that seem to be always tweeting what is exactly going to happen and reporting as to what they're hearing. It seems like Nightingale seems like the type of guy that is just throwing it out there because it seems like he just wants to get that, get those things rolling. Do I respect him for doing that? I don't want to judge a guy based on the fact that he's just trying to do his job. I actually heard a great quote from a guy who we're going to have on the show here next week, Sam Olber, where, you know, he said that like, you know, these guys can create stories without consequences. Mm -hmm. I mean, legitimately, right? So he's able to do all these things and not receive consequences based on that point. But his consequence was Jed Hoyer being like, you got to be kidding me, right? And I don't know what was said. We don't know who said what or what that conversation actually looked like. But I heard it was more related to Christopher Morrell versus what Nightingale also said, which was the Cubs are out on Otani. Yeah, and that scares me a little bit. I mean, you know, I you tend to take even the, the things from people that you may not trust. Like, you know, I don't really trust everything Nightingale says, but even those kinds of things, like it just doesn't sit right with you because, you know, you have a feeling, even if he's not fully hundred percent correct on everything, maybe that still came from somewhere. So 
I'm still going to stay firm that the Cubs are going to land Shohei because I have to, and that's where my sanity lies right now. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. I, I think the Cubs will have a successful offseason. And I, I respect Jed for doing what he did to Nightingale because, you know, a guy like Christopher Morrell, he doesn't need it rolling around in his head that, oh, hey, I'm going to be traded. Am I not going to be traded? Like, you know, that's, you know, we've seen that if you've ever watched Moneyball, right? Like these trades and, you know, they're, they're people, right? And so how is this going to affect? And I think this is why, in part, right, why Shohei wanted to keep it so quiet is because, you know, there's just the world of media and Twitter is a cesspool. So you want to yeah. want to stay out of it. And, and let's be honest, too. If he sees that the management has got his back, is not saying those things. Yeah. They're going to have his back when it comes to the media portion of the business, because let's be yeah. honest, the Chicago media is tougher than the LA media. Is it? You think? I, I think so. I don't know. I maybe I, that'd be a curious, I mean, uh, I'd be curious about that. Cause that would I, be well, a really, I, I, at least in my opinion and what I've seen, it feels like, I don't know. That's just what it feels like. Right. So right. the Cubs are probably looking at it saying, we have a, you know, we do have a tougher media, you know, uh, uh, representation when it comes to asking questions and, you know, sure. coming at the players and putting out reports. Right. So he's probably the Cubs are thinking, don't say anything. We'll offer him a heck of a contract. Maybe we'll have a chance versus, he know, they all know that L.A. is is the number one spot. Right. We all. Yes. Otani hasn't come out and say and said that, but. Pretty much all reports slate that way mm -hmm. so there's so much other... we could dive into for it but yeah sorry go ahead oh yeah well i was going to say one other name that we'll now transition into is you know you just talked about it right with morell and hoyer backing him up mm -hmm. right backing up one of his players almost feels like a kind of a manager like move it was pretty cool with hoyer i love yeah, that yeah. absolutely love that um but it was sort of like when ron soto said he goes i just want to know where i'm going there were reports out that he was frustrated with how this process has gone and mm -hmm. what that's entailed and how it's just, he just doesn't know what's going on. So he's going to breathe a sigh of, sigh of relief when this deal finally goes through. And that is why we transition. What a good transition there. Go. What a good transition. Getting better. I'm getting better. Yeah, you're getting good. Not finalized as of, can we check Twitter really quick? We're going to check X one. We're right checking now. X one moment. One moment. Juan Soto is trending. And Juan Soto. Nope, nothing. It is. Let's see. Okay. Oh, quick. Oh, breaking news. I see that. Breaking news. Eduardo Rodriguez is in advanced discussions on a multi-year deal with the D-backs. That would be great for them. That would be, be absolutely phenomenal for them. We'll talk about it on the next show, but that is a very intriguing conversation. Because mm -hmm. that guy, I wonder, I, I, we don't know the details. I think the details of the contract are actually more important than him going to the D-back. It's important, of course, but like the contract details will really, really be interesting because um, because of what happened out in Detroit. Sure. Right. Well, we're talking about hot stoves popping, right? The, now, we're, now we're starting to roll. We had all these meetings happen. And over the course of the week, Juan Soto's name was at the top of the list for the Yankees. There were quotes that came out when they first started, whereas they are in advanced discussions. 
then those discussions turn to here are the names that are associated with the potential trade. Then they stalled. Then they went and got Alex Verdugo. Then out of nowhere this morning, and we're we're taping this on, on Wednesday, but it looks as of right now, reports are saying that pending physicals, Juan Soto will be a New York Yankee. It's not completely finalized. I want to make that clear. So if during this episode it does happen or afterwards, they'll be ready to go. But reports say that Juan Soto and Trent Grisham, outfielder Trent Grisham, will go to the Yankees and the Padres will be receiving right-hander Michael King, number six overall prospect right-hander Drew Thorpe, right-handed pitcher Johnny Burrito, number 13 overall prospect right-handed pitcher Randy Vasquez, and the and catcher Kyle, I always butcher his name. Is it Iggy Shioka or how do you pronounce his last name? I um I don't have it pulled up. I I don't know what you're looking at to be honest. I it I was it was a couple reports here. This that. is why it's it's tough with this putting this out here because right, the name right. may change, and this is also pending medical reviews. Right, so if mm-hmm. any of these players don't pass, then they may be flip flopping names in. But it's pretty much all leaning towards the fact that this deal is going to go through. So we are likely to see Juan Soto in Yankees pinstripes this upcoming season. Wow. Simply wow. Yeah, I mean, you talk about having some thump in the middle of your lineup. Doesn't get much better than Judge and Soto. Like, I mean, those are two of the hardest hitting hitting guys in the game. So, um, yeah, I, well, I think – sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, – I mean, I was just going to throw out the projected lineup. We're also going to add into this that, of course, another uh, another trade that did happen this week. We'll just add this and tie this in with this conversation fully. But the Yankees and Red Sox made a trade between rivals. Uh, the, Yankee, the Yankees received Alex Verdugo, and the Red Sox received uh, three high-quality arms that we could talk about maybe on a future episode in right-handed pitcher Richard Fitz, right-handed pitcher Greg – Weezert and right-handed pitcher Nicholas Judas. So the Yankees projected lineup as of now, Alex Verdugo in center with Jason Dominguez coming back once he, once he is uh, uh, coming off the injury report from his surgery. DJ LeMayu at third, Aaron Judge in right, Juan Soda in left, Giancarlo Stanton at DH, Anthony Rizzo at first, Glaber Torres at second, Austin Wells slash Jose Trevino at uh are now going to be the one-two punch at the catching position with uh, – I'm, I'm going to butcher his name – with Kyle going over to the Padres, and then, of course, Anthony Volpe at short. Vinny, that lineup just got a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I'm trying to find out who you're who you're referring to. It's So let me look at San Diego's real quick. But, um, yeah, I mean, they – they got some guys like, you know, we knew it coming into the last year. I think they kind of underperformed for a, a good chunk of last year. Um, they got some age, though. Don't, you know, don't fool yourself, right? DJ's 35, Judge is 31, Rizzo's 34. Wow, Rizzo's 34. Oh, my Crazy. God. Stanton's 34. Like, I think, you know, when we talk about Judge, when we talk about even Rizzo recently and Stanton, like, they have some injury, injury risk um, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see how well their depth holds up. Um, they got a lot of guys in the in the system that are coming up with Oswald Peraza, and don't mix them up. You have Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera. It took me forever to kind of get them straightened out. Um, you know, Volpe's doing well. 
Austin Wells, I think is, is another, you know, very promising young guys. So it's, it's interesting, right? The balance that they have, they have some very, very old guys and some very, very young guys and all of whom seem ready to compete. So um, yeah, I think they're ready. The AL East though, is just going to be a bloodbath. I mean, best division of baseball by a country mile. I don't even know. Do people say country mile anymore? Is that a saying anymore? I don't know, but it's just, it's going to be out out there once in a while. You look at their contract situation now, 40 million going to judge 36 million going to Garrett Cole, 32 million going to John Carlos Stanton, 27 million going to Carlos Rondon, 17 million going to Anthony Rizzo, 15 million going to DJ LeMayu, and then 5.7 million going to Tommy Canely. Otherwise than that, everybody else are going to be pre-arb or arbitration arbitration guy, including Juan Soto as well. That's a lot of cash. And you mentioned a very important point here, Vinny, which is age. And the Yankees have been hindered with injuries, it seems like, every single day last year during the 2023 season. Younger guys like Volpe, I'd put Torres in that category, Verdugo, Dominguez, Austin Wells, feel better about those guys, even though they've dealt from some of those guys have dealt with injuries. But you made a very, very good point where when you're talking about age, that's probably what the Yankees saw was we need to get the best bat in the game, in my opinion, in the game, into our lineup who has shown to be durable, can play in the outfield, and be available every day to play at Yankee Stadium and potentially give time to some of the guys that are uh, a little bit older that may not be able to be on the field as often. But if I'm looking at this, you get Aaron Judge and Juan Soto in the lineup every day. I mean, that's a playoff team, obviously. But if LeMayo's hurt again, if Stanton's hurt again, if Rizzo's hurt again, like now you're trying to fill those positions potentially with guys that are coming up through the farm system. And I don't know. It's really... While many people look at this and go, oh my gosh, the Yankees are a World Series contender now. Don't get me wrong. If everybody stays healthy, I completely agree with that take. But the age, man, the age really scares me, Vinny. I mean, and you can even look at some of their rotation, right? Carlos Rodon doesn't have the best health track record either. Obviously, he's another guy, though. If he stays healthy, he's, you know, he's got ace upside. And We'll see if Michael King is still on the team after this trade. I could see him going, but they got Nasty Nestor, who's another one. Like, you know, he did have a great 2023, finished with a 4.97 ERA and also battled some injuries. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them add another stud arm to, to fill that rotation because, I mean, you can say they're a World Series team, but I don't think you can if if you're leaning on Cole and Rodon for the entire year because who's your number three? I mean, yeah, I guess you could say Nestor if he stays healthy, but we saw this with the Diamondbacks, right? If you don't have the pitching depth, you're just you're going to run out of gas at some point. And so I, I think they'll add another arm if they're serious about it. And I, I have no idea what's going to happen in that division. Absolutely none. Right now, starting rotation-wise, you mentioned it. Garrett Cole in the number one spot, Rodon in the second spot. A couple other names. Casey Schmidt is a a name that's out there to potentially be in the rotation. Clark Clark Schmidt. Casey Schmidt's the uh, 
infielder for thank you thank you sorry about mm-hmm. that no probably yeah. shouldn't host a po- probably shouldn't host a podcast um <laughs> Nestor Cortez in the in the in my opinion will be in that three spot Schmidt to the four and then free agency wise who can you fill with that fifth spot do you want to bump that to make that a three because now you're <laughs> Are they just over the luxury tax now? Is anybody just going to – I don't know how these guys aren't. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. I, it must be nice to just be able to piss money. I mean, right? That's what they do. Like, It's crazy, the man. freaking New I mean, York now, Yankees. Yeah. I, if you look at their names, I mean, Glaber's going to get a lot. Verdugo will get above probably five. Um. I mean, there's names that are going to require money, and then they also too have to pay Aaron Hicks eight point seven million and pay Josh Donaldson six million oh, as well. God, I forgot about them. I hadn't how the I, how they're going to do this, and then how they're going to re-sign. I, I I know they'll have Canley coming off the books. Rizzo's a club option, so they'll remove that. So maybe then they can give that money to Soto. Either way, can we just talk about the fact that people are like, we're going to re-sign Soto now? You know he's a Scott Boris client. Does it does, like I'm looking at this trade going? Are you guys going all out for this year because your intention is to re-sign Soto? But he's a Boris client, and there's going to be some teams that want him next year. Yeah, I mean, what do they have judged through 2031? So I think their thought process is, you know, if they sign Juan Soto, I imagine after this season. Um, I mean, I don't know what the option is. I'm trying to look at it now, but because Torres is a free agent at 25, or Dugo's a free agent at 2025, I imagine they're just letting those guys go and putting everything that they can into into Soto. Because if you have Soto and and Judge until 2030, I mean, that is that's a massive window that you can build on. So that's that's what I would assume they're trying to go for. Um, but I'm like. As a Cubs fan, right? I try to keep the Cubs bias out of it as much as I can. Sometimes, though, I can't. Um, I'm happy that the Cubs didn't do something like this. Like, if you're trading away some of your best guys for a rental, I never know how the re-signing is going to go because, I mean, like you said, he's a Boris guy. Next year, he's probably going to test his options, right? Unless they really think that he can get an extension done now. They, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they must have thought that that was in the cards because... I, I just can't imagine why they would trade away so much because I think it's a lot. They just must be going for this year. Then that, that must be it. I, I, I mean, Michael think... King is a stud. Michael King. I fully talk about bought in. I am fully that. bought into him being a star. Let's talk after. about the deal that now is, or the guys that are going to the Padres, right? So you have Michael King who had mm-hmm. a, 3.2 war in 2023, four and eight record with a 2.75 ERA, 104 innings pitched with a 1.15 whip. You're sending over Drew Thorpe, who is a extremely talented right-handed pitcher who pitched this year in double uh, A and high A, where in high A, he had a 10 and two record, um, which was, that is, that's extremely impressive in the minor leagues. Johnny Brito, Guy who came up had a lot of hype, you know. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery. Nine and seven record in 2023 with a 4.2 ADRA, 90 innings pitched. Um, you know, we'll see. Randy Vasquez, which is one of their you know top 20 prospects that got sent over, uh, two and two record in 2023 with a 2.87 ERA, five games started, 37 innings under his belt, and then Kyle 
who, God, who, how do you pronounce this kid's bat last name? Can you like send me this article that you're doing? Or where, where are you getting this from? Because I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing it all. Afraid. All reports are like if you just type in Soto on on X, it just seems like all the reports are showing that this this catcher, Kyle Higashikoa Shioka. I, I am I'm I feel terrible because I'm just completely butchering this kid's name. I'm sure but, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, caught his most innings of his career in 2023 with 642 innings. He is now going to be side by side with Luis Campusuna, Campusano. Man, I am, I am horrible. Tonight. You should not host a podcast. Yeah, but he lost his opportunity behind the dish with Austin Wells coming up, and then of course Jose Trevino being, a, you know, a top ten defensive catcher, uh, being the one-two punch now in New York. I see it now. He, I don't know how he could, he could Shoika. I don't know. I, I don't. Know. I, I feel like Shoika. Like, I actually am enjoying this because I, I hope if we have a Yankee fan listening to this, he is just wanting. He's he's turned it off by now. He's like... turned it off by now, and I'm okay with that. Um, but <laughs> we don't want you Yankee about... fans. Don't want you. Care less. Uh, Padres wise, obviously, they immediately upgrade their farm system pitching with Drew Thorpe and Vasquez. As people know, they send over names like Mackenzie Gore. Uh, to and the CJ. Nationals yep. and CJ Abrams. Abrams, it was a massive, massive trade, oh, and I Susana. feel like, yeah, I feel like you know they're not getting. It's a tough statement, right? Because you, do, I, I almost want to do a breakdown of like that yeah. trade versus this trade one time. Mm-hmm. But I, I personally think the Padres did the right thing here. They they upgrade their farm system. You now plug in Michael King and their starting rotation alongside Musgrove and Darvish. You know, Snell won the Cy Young. But Michael King, and you mentioned it, is a legit pitcher. He's a legit righty with an awesome two-seamer, a guy that I think could really do well. And then what's really interesting about all this, Vinny, if you look at their lineup right now, you need a center fielder and a left fielder. So Cody Bellinger. Here's the problem, though. And you know, and and the reason they got rid of Soto was the whole issues that they've been having with money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't go get a guy like Harrison Bader. Kevin Kiermeyer, some of these lower end kind of you know deals that you can kind of plug in. Like there are some names that aren't too bad to put in a lineup where you still have Fernando T- Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado, Hesyong Kim, Jay Cronenworth, Xander Bogarts. I don't I don't see like what's really wrong with them making that deal. I know they lose Soto, but you only had him for one more year. Like I thought the Padres did a hell of a job with this deal. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you mentioned, so I, I don't know, you know, how many people know Michael King. He kind of popped up this last year. He was used as a, um, a reliever for a long time and, and kind of a swing man and tried to start, didn't work out too well. And then they decided, Hey, we're going to, we're going to turn you into a starter. You know, you, you have the stuff. We're going to turn you into a starter. And he took off. So about halfway through the season, he started pitching as a starter. And he finished with about 11 strikeouts per nine and just under three walks per nine. Um, through a 2.75 ERA, like, he was, he was outstanding on the mound. And he looked every part of it. And then you mentioned Drew Thorpe, another guy coming over. So... Um, just some quick, real quick numbers on him, just to show you what kind of prospect you're dealing with, right? You mentioned he's the number six overall, and you can see why after looking at some of this. So he threw last year, he started in high A and then moved up to double A at the end of the year, um, through about a total of 140 innings. In double A, 
he threw 30 innings and he had a 13 strikeout per nine and a 1.5 walk per nine for a 148 ERA. Like he was dicing people up. Um, that's good for a 35% K minus BB rate. So pitching prospects, it does not get much higher ceiling than this. This guy has a subside. Um, and Michael King seems like a great potential two or three. Like you said, you pair that with Joe Musgrove. I don't, you know, I don't think Drew Thorpe is up this year, but you know, a year from now you have those two guys along with Musgrove and Darvish, you know, cause they signed Darvish to an asinine contract in my opinion. Like, what is he? I think he's going to be pitching with them until he's 42. So, you know, I, I get it, but um, you know, that, that rotation is going to be good and then they can hopefully build on. Cause they also have some, you know, good young guys coming up through the system. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Padres did well. It just, it, it's kind of weird for them to trade away their future for Soto in, cause you know, CJ Abrams has, has looked really good and Mackenzie Gore, I think will still turn it around. And so it's just kind of weird for them to, to give it all away and then be like, Oh no, wait, we want it back. But um, you know, for the year that they got out of Soto or, you know, I, I think year and a half, they did really well. I, I agree with you. They did fantastic. You look at the rest of their roster. Okay. Also to note, Eric Hosmer still needing to be paid 12 million <laughs> in both 2024 and 2025. Golly, there is no way that they were going to be able to keep Soto. Um, and so again, folks, we're going off or off of the, uh, the understanding that this trade is likely to go through, but now you get rid of Grisham too who was in his second year of arbitration, which, you know, I, I don't know what he was paid in his first year, but, you know, a lot now of your roster is primarily pre-arb guys, and so you're saving a lot of money in that realm. But, man, you got Bogarts, Musgrove, Machado, Darvis, Tatis, Cronenworth, Kim, um, Matt Carpenter, kidding. Um, but like a team, I, I, this is not – I have to be honest with you. I'm, I'm fairly impressed with what the Padres got back. So – Good for them. I know AJ Preller is probably not sitting well tonight with all the deals that he's made over the years, but I think they're going to be just fine, especially if they're able to sign some guys to play center field and left field uh, to make them a potential sneaky little playoff team. We'll see. Vinny, anything else there on the Juan Soto deal? Not really. Potential you know, deal. Um, potential deal. Yeah, potential, potential deal. deal. It's not. It's not through yet. No, I think we talked about the high level guys that that are coming back in return and you know, put a good outlook for both teams. So it's looking good. All right. Let's talk about the rest of the hot stove that we saw here over the last couple of days since we last recorded on Sunday. Let's start with the Mariners sending outfielder Jared Klenick to the Braves that included first baseman Evan White and left-handed pitcher Marco Gonzalez. But Gonzalez was then traded today to the Pirates. So he's been off the books the Mariners receive right-handed pitchers Cole Phillips and Jackson Kowar. Phillips was a second-round pick in 2022. Uh, he was previously the number seven overall prospect for the Braves, who has yet to throw a professional pitch due to Tommy John, but an intriguing prospect for sure. And then Kowar was a first-rounder back in 2018, who struggled a little bit, but uh, definitely the name in that to that looks intriguing is Phillip for sure. Um this happened, Vinny, literally as we clicked uh, stop on the recording on Sunday for our Monday episode. I'm excited for Kellenic, but this is just not what I saw coming from the Mariners this offseason, brother. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it just it's a salary dump 
for them, right? That's that's all it is, right? I mean, they not only because they gave up Kelnick, but they also gave up Marco Gonzalez, who has already been flipped. It sounds like to the Pittsburgh Pirates by the Braves. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's they're they're dumping salary, and you know, we talked about it last time. Maybe it's because they're in for the Shohei deal, and they're just you know, why take yourself out of it if you don't have to? Um, you know, I saw someone in one of my baseball fantasy baseball chats say watch out for seattle they could be a sneaky team um you know west coast team it makes sense but i the reason why i don't buy it is their offense is just it's a true it's it's really bad i mean you got julio rodriguez and jp crawford and cal Raleigh, but after that i mean cade marlowe taylor trammell josh roja like there's just there's not enough pop i think if you're going to be in a division with texas and houston I don't see them going to get that. So I don't know what they're doing. I mean, clearly, though, they have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball, right? Like, you look at the rotation. They are loaded with you loaded know, Castillo, Gilbert, and George Kirby, and Bryce Miller, and Brian Wu. Like, And you even have Andres Munoz in the back and Matt Brash. So maybe they trade an arm for a couple bats or something. I don't know what their plan is, but this was clearly just a salary dump. So I don't know what they're making money moves for, but... Yeah, I mean, if it's not Shohei, maybe it is Bellinger. Maybe it is, you know, some of these other guys. So I don't know. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. $12 million came off the books, like you said, with Marco Gonzalez. Um, we talked about Evan White, who had a massive arbitration, pre-arbitration deal that went down for extension purposes. And Kellenick, you know, unfortunately just didn't uh, – was just never really got himself comfortable. And this year – he um, there were some stats I saw earlier, but him kicking, you know, the water cooler and frustration and, you know, obviously an emotional player who has, you know, had a rough couple of years. Um, I did find a stat here. Uh, he did really well against pitches, 96 miles per hour or higher. His he had a 321 average and a 607 slug against pitches, which in relation to the lineup he's going to would be third best on Atlanta last year uh, behind uh, Sean Murphy and Ozuna. So this kid gets a fresh start, not a bad place to go get a fresh new start. No pressure on you. You get plugged in the outfield immediately because Rosario comes off the books for the Braves, a guy that could potentially end up in San Diego, just a heads up there. But this is, I'm, I'm really happy for the guy, mm -hmm. but I, it kills me to see that because I just love Seattle, man. I really, really do. I just love that fan base. I love what that team has done over the last couple of years. You could tell how much those players care and how much that city loves, 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 loves the Mariners. But, you know, good things all have to come to an end, unfortunately. Yeah, and if I'm Kelnick, yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic for the new start. Um, you mentioned that there's no pressure. I, I, I guess I kind of – I see where you're coming from. My initial – my gut punch reaction was – he's the worst player on the team. Like, of course there's going to be a little bit of pressure. Cause like, you know, he's new, he's the new guy. Right. And so maybe he's, I shouldn't say he's the worst player on the, on the starting team, but um, he's coming into just an unbelievable, you know, I think it was the best offense that we've ever seen in baseball last year. So, um, but he fills probably the only hole that that team has besides maybe some starting pitching, you know, offensively, they needed a left fielder. So, Good for the Braves. They kept this very quiet too. There was no rumblings about Kelnick leaving. So um, good on both of the teams to keep it quiet. And, you know, 
The Braves got their guy. Um, yeah, and you mentioned some of those stats in Kelnick. That was a big thing that really haunted him coming up was he just couldn't hit breaking balls. Like he hits for power, he mashes, he's a big time power guy. But you got to be able to hit the off speed if you're gonna, you know, really contribute in the way that he was planning to because he was a top, top level prospect. I mean, he was blue chip top five guy for a long time. So it sucks. You know, we all wanted to see him play a little bit better, but it's unfortunate. So we'll just hopefully he finds his groove in Atlanta. It's a good deal. Hopefully he does. Hopefully he does. Um, Craig Kimbrell to the Orioles on a one-year $13 million deal uh, that fills the Orioles' obvious need at the closer position slash eighth inning role with Cano being so electric last year. Uh, Yiner Cano is who I'm referencing. Uh, but with Felix Bautista being sidelined for likely all of 2024 with Tommy John, Craig Kimbrell, veteran presence, obviously one of the best closers all time in baseball. He had 23 saves out of 28 opportunities there last season in Philly tied for the most innings of his career, actually with 69 that included a 181 batting average against with a 3.26 ERA with a 1.04 whip. Well, Vinny, let's put ourselves in our Cubs shoes and fandom. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't, think the Orioles got the best man for the job. Yeah, he's been very shaky over the last few years, to, to put it lightly. Um, Fangraphs slotted him in as the closer right away, which I don't know how you don't have Cano closing, if that role even exists anymore. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to see, and you know, their you know, offseason is clearly not done, but I still think the Orioles need a starter. Like, the bullpen, sure, I understand adding to it, um, you know, especially, like you said, with no Felix Bautista, but this team should not be done adding. I, I imagine that they trade a prospect for for a pitcher. It seems like the most logical thing because I don't know if you've looked at their, their prospect list, but they are probably the most loaded farm system in baseball. So um, they have plenty to give away, and... I get it. You want to sit on it because you like having depth, but at the same time, you have an immediate need. You want to over a hundred games last year. You want to compete for a world series. You don't want all this talent sitting in your farm system for too long because you need a pitcher. So I imagine that they're not done adding. And I think, like you said, was he the right man for the closer job? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I also think at the same time they have bigger needs. So we'll see. We will see. And, um, Look, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the O's. Uh, I love the fact that they've really done it the right way by building a truly supreme farm system. The likes of uh, Jackson Holiday, Kierstad. I mean, this is it is not even close when it comes to number one and number two when it comes to farm systems in baseball. I mean, it's Orioles are stacked and what they're probably seeing is we need to save our money for these guys to be able to extend them in the future. But going back to Craig Kimbrell, he's going to fill that need um, that the O's desperately needed going into the season. Um, he's been durable over the last couple of years. You know, while it's Kimbrell for a lot of Cubs fans and everything, he is still a pretty electric arm. So mm -hmm. excited to see what he can do there. Yeah. Let's, let's roll down the list here. 
Right-handed pitcher Eric Fetty signs with the White Sox to a two-year deal worth $15 million, a name we've referenced multiple times here, a name that we still need to figure out if Christian beat him in fantasy football. I'll be interested to know what happened there. Uh, But he was, as we discussed before, the 2023 KBO MVP. He comes back to the States after being non-tendered by the – nationals in 2021 or excuse me 2022 went to the kbo went to korea absolutely dominated and found his stride and now it is really intriguing to see does that game now transfer here to the mlb the white Sox probably saw it as an opportunity to say this is a guy we can bring in who just had success maybe we caught lightning in a bottle a guy that i'm i'm truly rooting for because you know, talk about talk about in reference to like life, right? Like you are at probably he's probably at the lowest part of his career. And he says, I need to go find I I need to go do something. I need to change things up. I need to find who I'm gonna be moving forward as a ball player and works his tail off. Um, we want to we want to bring him on the pot. I'm really hoping that we can to discuss like what were the true changes because I've been looking around. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of reports on what he's truly changed about his arsenal. I know that you could probably look at what pitches he's throwing, but maybe just a little bit more insight as to what changes with those pitches. And we can get into all that uh, uh, analytical stuff, but now he comes back, he gets another shot. He's not coming back to a situation where he needs to be, you know, a number three, number two, number one on a top level team. He's going to he's going to go to the White Sox, who really def- desperately needed starting pitching, and I'm excited for him. Yeah, this is a guy. I mean, you root for him, like you said. Good on Fetty for for coming back and, um, you know, taking the the only other pitcher that I can think of off the top of my head. Just, I mean, I know there's so many, but Merrill Kelly, like. You look at the kind of impact that Merrill Kelly had this year for teams. Eric Fetty is the next Merrill Kelly for that, in my opinion. And he could be just as good, if not better. So, you know, in our text chain earlier today, Kyle had brought up, you know, he slots in behind Kopech and, and Soroka. And I'm not so sure that that's the case. Like, in my opinion, once Cease is gone, Fetty is your ace for the White Sox. And so... I'm super excited to see him. I think if I'm the manager of the White Sox, I'm throwing him out there day one because Kopech has not proven it. And Soroka, it's been way too long since he's done anything, you know, remotely worthy, I think. So Fetty is the guy who has been hot. He's pitched in the major leagues before. And like you said, the pressure is not really there. You know, he's not pitching for the Yankees or he's not pitching for this high level team. He's pitching for a team that's, you know, fighting to not be in last place you know, the same division as the Royals. So he doesn't have a whole lot of pressure. So I'm, I'm happy for him, um, you know, and obviously hopefully when he comes on, you know, I don't want to shit on the White Sox too much because that's his team. Right. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I think he is the best pitcher on that staff and I don't really think it's relatively close right now, other than cease, I should say, assuming cease goes. Um, yeah. I'm excited to watch him pitch. Very excited. Big fan of his. Is there any shot in hell, any shot in hell that the White Sox keep cease for the year and see if they can somehow win a t- uh, AL Central title? They'd be so stupid that I'm sorry that no, I, why, but, what do you have? Like, I don't know. No, no, hear no. me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm, I'm listening. 
I am the most I I will be honest with you and and my and Abby my wife will will ex- say the exact same thing. I'm probably when it comes to the Sox, I do have a soft place in my heart for some of my best friends growing up. Sure. That have Maybe gone too. through uh we thought we went through hell, they've gone through absolute hell as, yeah. as Sox yep. fans over the years. Um I heard from a White Sox fan yesterday when I was at a, a golf store. He said, uh, you know, we'll teach you how to lose in reference to being uh, Cubs fans. And I said, well, that's funny. We did it for 108 years. Um, yeah, Dylan they're, just, Cease, they're getting the tip of the iceberg. Dylan Cease. Yeah. Eric Fetty. Okay. Mike Soroka. I'm telling you, man, I, I people are doubting this guy. Give me an offseason with this dude to really, truly get his body in the position to go on through a full year. Well, let me let me throw this back at you then. You said Mike Soroka, the guy who's torn to Achilles, right, yep. and not been on the field really since 2018. You send him to one of the worst teams when it comes to keeping people healthy. Yoan Mancada, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, like they cannot keep people healthy. So I, Michael Kopech, Michael Kopech is another one, right? Like I, so I, I, I am so, I am on, I am on a, uh, I don't know. I, it's, I, there I, is I, no real shot in hell, but <sighs> I want to root for them. I do. But like, if I'm a White Sox fan, I'm telling them because two, yeah, C says two years of control like that. And I think what he's getting paid 8 million for each of those years. Like, that is a an elite guy that you can get somebody for. So Big eater with um oh my god. I mean, I, I'm excited for their future. Here, how about this? If the White Sox are serious about winning this year, then they bring up Colson Montgomery, right? They bring up Brian Ramos and they they let the kids play. They let Colas play, they put in Eloy every day, they try to keep their guys healthy. And then maybe they somehow scrape through the division. Maybe they add at the deadline, but so K may pay me for that. By the way, K may threw me about twenty bucks to say all that. I hope that they burn to the ground. Okay, let's move <laughs> on to the last couple moves here. Uh, Kirby Yates to the Rangers on a one-year deal. We also saw Victor Caratini, catcher who was formerly with the Cubs uh, and then was with the Brew Crew this past season. He signed with the Astros on a two-year deal worth twelve million. That means Martin Maldonado is likely not, obviously, not going to be coming back to the Astros. That'll be a really interesting dilemma because of how critical Maldonado was to that team. You heard it yeah. from Justin Verlander himself. So mm-hmm. ooh, that'll be that'll be tough. They would never, I don't think they'd bring three catchers on the roster. I don't think that's that's even possible. So we'll see. Does Maldonado end up maybe at a lower level team to help develop that pitching? Maybe like the White Sox. All right. Not bad. They actually too talk about like says, and I'll I'll go quickly. I'll just like if the automatic ball strike system is really coming, does the catcher have as much importance? Like, obviously, a pitcher still wants their guy back there, but maybe the guy is a little more flexible, right? Because, you know, you don't need a, a catcher who can make everything look good. Like, Yiner Diaz, I know, mashes the ball, and he's going to be their Houston's catcher, but not the greatest defensive guy. So we'll see. That's a good That's a good point. Victor Caratini, though, is definitely a, a good catcher, so um, he fills that void. Yeah, I'd like I'd love to get Diaz as my catcher this upcoming year if I can't get a guy like Adley or or even like a eh, Cal Rally, I guess, or like Will Smith. But oh, catching is so deep this year. 
So Diaz, Diaz looks good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the, how do I transition into this? Um, so I took out the garbage, uh, last night. Um, are you sure? Abby? And as I rolled it out, you know, I, I was, I was rolling out the trash bin. Then I rolled out the recycle bin. And, uh, no, I, I actually have once or twice. And it was one of those where like, I was so lazy that there was other boxes that I just like flattened and like put on top and I was trying to pull it out. And it was not even coming through the door. It's kind of like the LA angels last year where they just had everything in a garbage bin and everything just fell out and everything was falling over the place and nothing was figured out. And then all of a sudden you end up, uh, basically putting the most players I've ever seen on waivers in one year. Top storylines for the LA Angels going into the 2024 campaign. Does Mike Trout end up going elsewhere? Long-term deal still in place around seven years, but a guy to watch out for. But their 2023 trade deadline may have been the worst trade deadline we have seen in recent memory. Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Randall Gritchick, Hunter Renfro and Matt Moore were all traded to the LA Angels before the deadline last year. They were all placed on waivers within the next month. A team that simply was trying to buy and trade to keep Otani to somehow show something to him that we're here. They brought up guys like uh, Chanel. They brought up guys like Nito. They... They did everything they absolutely could to try to make sure that uh, Shohei Otani would return as an angel. It somehow is still out there that he may return to Anaheim, which absolutely blows. Could you imagine all of this just for him to go back? (laughs) I mean, you you talk about the worst trade deadline and the worst, uh, you know, hot stove offseason ever. Yeah, hundred percent. Vinny, this is just like I mean, it just. I five recycle five boxes fell out of my recycle bin as I was taking it out. And it was Giolito, Lopez, Gritchick, Renfro, more. It was such a disaster of a season. Yeah, this is <laughs> I, I I said it before the podcast, and I'll I'll say kind of part of it here is sans Mike Trout if there's no Mike Trout in this team this team is the worst team in baseball like wow they their wow. offense is atrocious they're I, sure you got guys you got Mike the fish and then you got Mickey Mouse Moniac and then you got Taylor Prison Ward like I you just got a bunch of like okay people and then you're filling your holes with Luis Renjifo and Anthony Rendon. I, I like Logan O'Hoppy. I'm a big Logan O'Hoppy guy. Me too. But they're just they have so little pop outside of Trout. They and their pitching is it's just okay. Like Detmers is good and after that you're you fall off a cliff pretty hard. So like they're Let's just, talk about I it. I don't think they're good. Let's talk about it, right? Their projected lineup for next year. This is not one through nine based off of players, but mainly Mickey Moniak in right field, Taylor Ward in left, Mike Trout in center, Brandon Drury in the DH spot, Anthony Rendon over at third, Logan O'Hoppy behind the dish, 
Nolan Chanel, who is a very intriguing player who just got absolutely rushed to the to the big leagues, is it's just still a joke. But uh, over at first base, Zach Neto over at short, and then Luis Renifo, as you mentioned, over at second base. Um, I look at here if I want to highlight names that I'm like, okay, this is something that could work out in uh, 2024. Ohapi, Trout, and yeah. I mean, you, you know, I had really high hopes for they have Joe Adele still on that team. Had really high hopes for him. And he's best minor of, league, best minor league hitter. I, I, just absolute, just bombs away with that guy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And he's got speed and everything. He just, he's one of those guys that we call a quad A player, right? He makes triple A, never quite makes it into big leagues and, and solidifies his position. Um, maybe he needs a fresh start somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, and the thing that I, I don't like about this team either is, like you said, too, they had one of the worst trade deadlines in recent history because they gave away what little they had in their farm system. I mean, you mentioned them bringing up Chanel and um, Zach Neto, who I think Neto played less than 50 minor league games in his career and then came up. And then Chanel, I think, played like 20 minor league games or something. I mean, just ridiculous how quickly they pushed these guys up because they were the best in the system and they wanted to win. And you know, that's what I think, like we just talked about, like the Chicago White Sox are serious. They're not going to play Paul DeYoung at short. They're going to play Car- um, Montgomery. But most teams don't do that because I think that that's the smart route is to kind of let your guys, you know, grow in the minor leagues. That's what it's for. So the Angels really aren't going to fight for anything next year. I I don't know if they trade Trout. I I can't imagine what kind of ask they would have for it, but we've seen them make some bad trades in the past and we've seen them make some bad moves. So I had to, if I'm an angels fan, I don't have hope in, in what this organization can do. So it's just the, the angels and the white Sox are probably the two teams that I think are the most poorly run at the moment. Maybe the A's, right. You can, you know, if you want to talk Breaking about news. that, but Oh, what do you got? One Soto has been officially traded. All right. To the Yankees. Back Should we start over? Angels. Yeah. Back, back to, to the, the Angels. Angels. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I pretty much said my little two cents about it. We can dive into some players, but it's just... It's what is there to good. dive into, right? I mean, seriously. I, the, so, rotation-wise, left-hander Reed Deadmers, left-handed pitcher Tyler Anderson, right-hander Griffin Canning, left-hander Brad Sandoval, Chase Silseth. Silseth, Silseth uh, yeah. It's just it just sucks, man, because we're just watching I'm gonna go on a rant. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna call this here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call this the rant. Hold on. The rant portion of the podcast. The rant. This is this is where I'm everybody at. plug your ears if you're listening still. Because oh can we wait, can we add some music to your rant? Like can you add like a little like background, like whatever? Let's see what you got? we got. Yeah. Let's yeah. see what we got. Let's see what we got. Um <laughs> I like that. Let's talk about this, okay? Oh, good. Yes. Let's talk, Tyler. So, Mike Trout is going to be one of the greatest baseball players that's ever seen a baseball diamond in the MLB, right? Yeah. He goes to Anaheim. Gets, or, sorry, excuse me. Gets drafted by Anaheim. They somehow convinced him to do a lar- long-term extension, and you can't put out a team 
on the field that can get to this guy to the playoffs. This music's freaking me out. This music's freaking me out. You had the role in the beginning, but you kind of lost it. Yeah, I lost it a little bit. It's yeah. my first rant. It's the first. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to. That's our like rant. We gotta do some rants rant. or something. But, yeah. but dude, seriously, man, like you, you like, I, and it's almost kind of. I have a kind of a problem with Trout a little bit because it's like, why would you have signed something if maybe you knew this was gonna happen? That's a hard thing to point out. Mm-hmm. right but it's almost kind of like a's ownership where you're just like what are you doing why do you allow this guy to not see the playoffs in his career except once like how do you let this happen and I don't, how, I don't think how do you they want to develop players and they didn't want a game and, yeah. and you do not and, and all you do is then you screw over these other players that you've completely pushed beyond their limits to get to the MLB level, who now have to use those years that could have been full development years in the minor leagues because you screwed up so much that now you have to force these guys to do something that they're not ready for. They they will say they are, and they'll say they're ready, but let's be honest, some of these guys aren't. And it's nothing yeah. against those players like Neto and Shenwell. Like not, nothing is against these guys because normal organizations, really good, solid organizations – would never put these guys in this position. They would have put the best player that has been on the baseball diamond in some time in a position to be successful on on an accessible team every single year. But you completely screw up everything. You give ridiculous contracts. You give out contracts to Albert Pujols. You give out contracts to Anthony Rondon that are so significant that make you go, that that you are now putting the organization in such detriment moving forward. So now, if I look at this, you lose Otani. Who in the hell is going to want to go there? Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I am going to push back a little bit, just a touch, because on, on one part of the Neto Chanel... I guess it's not a rant, but the oh, I'm going to oh, rant to you, Tyler. No, it's okay. It's okay. okay. Um, no, because I will. I do want to rant about the waste of Mike Trout if if I can come up with enough words. But Chanel and Neto, I think, is where I'm going to push back because I think they were kind of major league ready. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers Chanel put up, like he had a 400 on base percentage in the major leagues last year and only 30 games granted. But he just they they they're just like meh they're so meh guys and and netto too like they like chanel doesn't have any pop really he doesn't have much speed netto's got a little bit of pop and a little bit of speed so but i think that's just it that's their ceiling and so getting back to the waste of mike trout it it's it's infuriating as a baseball fan it's infuriating as i mean thank god i'm not an angels fan because i don't know if i could be a baseball fan um it's just it's painful like you are talking about probably the greatest player of our generation, you know, us growing up and he hasn't won a playoff game. And how hard could it really be to build something around him? That's, that's meaningful and sustaining. I mean, the Anthony Rendon contract will go down is probably one of the worst in history. And that's probably the big thing that's kept them back. I mean, maybe it's just that simple, right? Maybe, maybe the Rendon contract sank them so far that they just haven't been able to pull out of it because I mean, you had trout and Shohei, like that's half your team, but not half your team. But I will say the one thing about trout that 
um, I'm also going to nudge back a little bit on right now is he is one of the greatest that we've ever seen, right? That's off the table. But the thing I will mention is besides his health, right? He played in 82 games last year, 119 to 2022, and then 36 in 2021. Um, he's had consistent back problems for, for quite a few years. The thing that I, I didn't realize until diving into him too was that his strikeout rate has gone up quite a bit, and so has his walk rate. His walk rate has gone down. So if you look at Prime Trout, right, 2018, I think, was his best statistical year. Um, just from a quick glance, right, he hit 312, 460 on base, and a 628 slug in 140 games. Like, that's unbelievable. He walked at a 20% clip. 20% walk rate. And then a 20% strikeout rate. Like, that is absolutely insane. But if you look now, last year, he had a 28% strikeout rate and a 12% walk rate. And then the year before, in 2022, he had a 27% strikeout How rate. How motivating is it to go on the field rate. of these guys, though? I mean, how motivated what? I'm sorry? Rondon makes more money than Mike Trout. I'm sorry. I don't think I heard you right. What? $38 million is going to Rendon this year, and Mike Trout makes 37. And Mike Trout's locked up for a while. Like it's not it's 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 a while. And mind you, Rendon is with them till 2027. Yeah. I no mean... one's gonna pick up that contract. He's gonna get uh DFA'd, and they're just gonna unfortunately have that. I yeah. get what you're saying, Vinny. I get what you're saying, brother. I don't mean to interrupt you. It's just no, no, please. I, I'm just, I'm slightly worried about Mike Trout because maybe, yeah, like you said, maybe he doesn't want to be out there. Maybe he's, it's killing him a little bit inside, and he's trying to press. I don't know, but well, imagine, the imagine the, the highlight of your career is the WBC. I mean, that's not terrible, is it? Like, that was an electrifying no, 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 no. WBC. It was, it was, but the highlight of your career is the WBC. And then they go, Oh, what's so, Oh, what does that go up against? Oh, the fact that he has zero playoff wins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remember that time we beat the Oakland A's in game 25 and it was a walk-off. Like it's frustrating. It's, 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 it's you know, and I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to give this organization any free agent targets. I don't even want to talk about any of their prospects. It is I, nothing against any of those players because they're probably great ball players that are that I I am not at their I never was at their level mm -hmm. was never good enough. But the fact is is that you these guys just completely have screwed over this organization. And I will tell you this: if Shohei Otani goes to the LA Angels, holy cow, would that be? We should we should do worst landing spots for Shohei. LA Angels number one. LA Dodgers just feels boring. Like number two, number three, Oakland A's. No, I would like to see him go to Oakland. I think that'd go to be Oakland. Fun. That would yeah. be that'd be a look. Yeah, that'd right. Be look. I think that'd be cool. Um, yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, look. Atlanta Braves. <laughs> There's been talk. <laughs> There's been talk. Okay. <laughs> like, God. Anyway, Seattle yeah. Mariners. Yeah, yeah. Some people say don't sleep, but um, yeah, it's just I don't know how much more you can say. I mean, we can, you know. There's individual players. We can make nicknames like, you know, like I said, Mickey Mouse, Moniac. Um, I like to prison ward. Mike Logan Fish. Ono. Logan Ono. Logan Ono. I was thinking Logie hip, Logan Hip Hop Hoppy or something like that. Max, instead of Stassi, Max Ducky. Like, I don't know. Maybe now I'm just reaching. But Zach Nomo. Trey Lettuce. 
<laughs> oh, buddy. Well, we're gonna have to do that. That'd be a fun, uh, fun little activity coming up with like a. It would. And a best. How about this? That would be a good one. We come up with each of us creates the best names at each position. Like we come up with our own teams. Like I make a team with my best names of the position. Christian will definitely be into that. He'll That'd be, be fun, that. right? Like, you know, names only, but well, I well, wish there was more to talk about. I wish there was like, uh, we'll be... see. We'll see. What's... And then also, so during this, I was going to bring this up, but Eduardo sure. Rodriguez, they said that uh, he actually was going to be, uh, in com- he was actually in conversations with the Reds as well, but then they came out and said, Rosenthal said, no, the Reds are not involved, and so it's solely the D-backs. So hopefully we'll have something to talk about. And Otani is projected to make his decision by the end of this weekend. We also heard that it was supposed to be made during the winter meetings. We'll see. Yeah. Do you think, and I think right away it sounds silly, but who wins more games next year, the Angels or the Athletics, if... Mike Trout plays less than say a hundred games. I think, think the Angels will. You still think, think the, the Angels, Angels do? Yeah, I just don't see how the A's they just don't put out like like I I I I like their offense. I like their offense more than I like the well, maybe I like Ohapi over Langliers. Yeah. I like uh Trout over Ruiz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, no trout. After that, though, I mean, I guess Taylor Warden left is good, but I I don't know. Don't sleep on him. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, thanks to everyone that tuned in for episode 49, big number 50, coming up, uh, coming out this Monday. And hopefully we're going to have an interview next week. Uh, we mentioned him earlier. Sam Olber is hopefully going to be joining the show uh, from Locked On Cubs. And if you've never tuned in any of the Locked On shows, Please do as they uh, put out shows Monday through Friday uh, on their perspective teams. They have a show for every single team across all the four major sports. I highly recommend that you tune in. Well, to everyone that tuned in, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Big Fly Pod. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you here soon.